It's again a privilege uh, to be gathered in the name and in the presence of the Lord Jesus this morning. And it's, uh, it's my desire that, uh, that the Lord Jesus be exalted in our midst in these next 45 minutes especially. A number of you have expressed an interest and appreciation for the subject matter that I began to address three weeks ago. Tells me that uh, you're, you're taking uh, the plans for uh, our ordination uh, in November seriously. But I am encouraged by your intense interest in this subject to selecting, of selecting a brother from among us to be part of the leadership team, and uh, especially uh, as it relates to the qualifications for that calling. I, uh, I, I call you, I call your attention to uh, the, uh, the handout that uh, you received three weeks ago and to the first page uh, of the handout. Um, in the, especially Roman numeral number three and number four, uh, in relation to uh, the biblical eldership model, we, we believe here at Faith Christian that uh, this to be uh, the, the model, the eldership model that uh, we put forth, and, and I sort of briefly um, uh, mention it here, to uh, this model was, I believe, established by the apostles during the time of the early church. Um, that, uh, that there be uh, several things, that there be a plural or shared leadership. Uh, and that that leadership to be chosen from the local church membership. And uh, I believe that is the, the, uh, the biblical model. There, there are a number of books that have been written in relation to this, this model of leadership. And one of the older ones, written by Gary Inred, uh, Life in His Body, which uh, has, uh, he has a lot to say about this biblical model. And then uh, I, uh, number four, Roman numeral number four, on the first page of the handout, <clears throat> just again a brief overview about, uh, in relation to calling, uh, the uh, uh, men to the leadership team, uh, the qualification, the need for uh, mature, qualified men that they be selected, and that they be examined as to life and doctrine, and then also installed by the laying on of, the, of, 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 the hand, of hands uh, into uh, this uh, role. <clears throat> I, I also call your attention to page two, the, um, which has to do with the, the list of qualifications that are found in 1 Timothy chapter 3 as well as in Titus. 
this, again, remind us is, the, um, is what I would call the gold standard of uh, when it comes to qualifications for elders and bishops. Um, these, are, these are basically, uh, uh, overall, uh, in majority kind of way, these are character qualities. Uh, it only mentions one skill or ability, and that's number seven, when, he said, when, he, when it tells us that uh, in, um, in Timothy chapter three, first Timothy chapter three, verse two, and in Titus chapter one, verse nine, that this person be, uh, have the ability to teach. Uh, it calls it being apt to teach, the one who has the aptitude of uh, teaching and expounding on, on the word of God. That is the only uh, uh, ability that is mentioned here in this extensive list, list of qualifications. And again, I encourage you to, um, to keep this list in hand and be praying about it and uh, um, you know, be, be reminded uh, of, the, of these qualifications uh, as we come to the ordination of a brother uh, to uh, join the leadership team here at Faith Christian. Finally, uh, I take you, take you to, to page four, uh, the last page of the uh, handout uh, in which uh, is my general outline for the text in Second uh, Timothy. And I, it is Second Timothy. Uh, there was a little uh, error in there. And, it wasn't my error, it was the, it was the computer's error. So, <laughs> uh, but uh, it's 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 1 through 10. Uh, and, uh, you know, as we, as we look at these qualifications and the list of qualifications, we, we realize the seriousness of, uh, of, of this calling. And uh, I, I believe and I trust that we do take it very serious. However, I also want to give a testimony to the fact that uh, for me, uh, it's, been a, it's been a great privilege to, uh, to be called uh, and, and to a great privilege to, to minister what Paul called the, the glorious gospel of Christ. Uh, that, that uh, it's, uh, I, I just want to testify to the fact that I consider that, I have considered that in the almost 50 years of preaching and teaching and uh, being in, in this role of spiritual leadership to greater or lesser degree, that, that it's been a tremendous privilege. I counted it a tremendous privilege to, uh, to be uh, appointed by the church and appointed by God to, uh, to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, the gospel that can save a man from hell and give him eternal hope uh, for eternity. I, I, I want to tell you that <laughs> that's just a, a great privilege. And, you know, I, I, uh, I first sensed that I was going to be a minister of the gospel, a preacher, uh, when I was 15 years old. And... Um, 
I never told anybody until uh, I talked to Ed, until Ed and I were beginning a serious relationship. And uh, I wanted her to know that uh, uh, she, uh, according to uh, the way has, the Lord has spoken to me, that she's going to be a preacher's wife. And I wanted to make sure that she was okay with that. And she was okay with that. She was a preacher's daughter, and so she knew something of what, it, what goes into being a preacher's wife as well. So, but uh, I, uh, and, and so the Lord affirmed that calling uh, a number of times throughout my life until it happened uh, back in, in the 1970s. And so, uh, but I, I just want to, again, I just want to give testimony. Yes, it's, uh, it's a serious matter, but it's also a glorious privilege. Um, and I trust that you will uh, enter into uh, that f with me. Um, but here in, uh, in page four, the, uh, the, uh, the last uh, um, page of the handout, uh, you have the, uh, the sort of the outline, the general outline of uh, um, my, um, of the text that I have chosen to speak from, which is 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 1 through 10. And I'm going to refresh us by reading that text uh, here as we continue into this message. So 2 Timothy chapter 1, 1 through 10. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, according to the promise of life, which is in Christ Jesus. To Timothy, my dearly beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. Somebody has pointed out that it's only in the pastoral epistles that Paul uh, talks about uh, grace, mercy, and peace. Usually he talks about uh, Grace and peace as he addresses the churches. But when he addresses the Titus and Timothy, he adds mercy. And uh, that should just be a powerful reminder for us that uh, um, your preachers uh, need your mercy. <laughs> uh, and uh, so uh, be merciful to uh, your spiritual leaders. Uh, and uh, keep affirming them and their calling. Grace, mercy, and peace uh, from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve from my forefathers with a pure conscience, that without ceasing I have remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day. Greatly desiring to see thee, being mindful of thy tears, that I may be filled with joy. When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, unfeigned means genuine, without pretense, the faith that saves, uh, and the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois, and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded in thee also. Wherefore, I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God, which is in thee by the putting on of thy hands. For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, of love, 
and of a sound mind. Be not therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began, but is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. And may the Lord bless this, uh, this text uh, to us this morning. We're, uh, we're, 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 we're looking at this text uh, as a way of, uh, of being reminded uh, of uh, uh, what effective spiritual leadership consists of uh, uh, here in uh, this short text. Um, and uh, we, uh, we took a look. We looked at the first uh, two uh, several parts of this text three weeks ago where uh, we, I reminded you that the call to spiritual leadership is a call of grace. And um, that, uh, that is important to recognize. Uh, we're not saved by our own merits, nor are we called by our merits uh, to leadership. Uh, it is a call of grace. Uh, and uh, then there are four from this text. I have, uh, uh, I have uh, lifted out four characteristics of effective spiritual leadership, and these, and, and these come from verse 7. Uh, we looked at the first one, and that has to do with uh, uh, dealing with the, the, uh, the, this matter of fear or timidity, uh, and uh, I, uh, I broke that down to about four different kinds of fear that are often a part of being called to leadership and to the ministry of the gospel, and that can be the fear of man, the fear of failure, the fear of the, our adversary, and the fear of adversity. This morning, I'm going to uh, continue on to look at the three things that God has given further that, that uh, enables one to be an effective minister of the gospel and he's an effective spiritual leader, a shepherd of the flock of God. And uh, these are found in uh, the next section of verse 7. And, uh, and, and the, uh, the first thing, the, the, the first of those three things that Paul says that are given to, to us by, by God uh, is, the, is that of power. Uh, and it just reminds us of the fact that, uh, uh, that a spiritual leader is called to lead and minister from a resource of power. Uh, those of you who study the scriptures inductively, know that there are two ways the word power is used in the New Testament. The first one uh, is translated, uh, um, has to do with authority. Uh, you have John 1, verse 12, where John said that Jesus came into the world, the world received him not. He came to his own people, and they received him not. 
But as many as received them, him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. And the word power there in the original uh, text is the word authority. So Jesus is saying, to, to as many as received him, to them gave he the authority from God to be called children of God. And, and so the, the word uh, uh, power there means authority. And of course, you, all of you are acquainted with the Great Commission, which is given in Matthew chapter 20, verses 19 and 20, where, um, where Jesus uh, stood on, that, on the Mount of Olives, uh, and uh, he, he said to his disciples, and there were more, many more gathered there, uh, before he ascended into heaven, and he said, all authority is given unto me. Uh, all power, he said, is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And uh, I will be with you always, even unto the end of the world. That reaches to us now in, in 2022, and and in an ongoing way in the, in the years to come until the Lord returns. But again, the word power there is translated, it comes from the, it's really the word authority. And Jesus is saying, all authority, all jurisdiction is given to me. That's a, that's a, a, a comprehensive and a, a, a wonderful proclamation of the Lord Jesus. All jurisdiction, all authority uh, is given unto him in heaven and on earth. <laughs> uh, there's nothing excluded. And uh, for this reason, <laughs> go and preach and teach. Um, it's a powerful word from the Lord. Um, but the word again is authority. Uh, it speaks of him having jurisdiction over everything, and therefore uh, we should uh, preach the gospel to all nations. Power uh, has to do with authority. But then the, the word power also, as it's, uh, uh, as it's used here, is, uh, is the word dunamis, uh, which comes, uh, which, uh, which really means just dynamic power. And he uses the same word to describe the gospel in Romans chapter 1 and 16, where it says uh, that the, the gospel is the power of God unto salvation, dynamic power of God unto salvation to all them that believe. Uh, it's, it's dynamic power. And this is the power, he says, that has been given to you. God has not given you the spirit of fear, Timidity, but he has given you the spirit of power, dynamic power. Um, enabling power. And, uh, and so this is the first thing that this thing that has been given, Paul says, has been given to you, Timothy. Um, this power is not inherent in the one that is called to leadership. 
And this power does not have anything to do with the force or the charisma of one's personality. Thank God. <laughs> or, or intellectual ability. Or fluency of speech. Uh, go back to the testimony of Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 when he says, I, when I came to you, I came not with flowery words and, and uh, you know, uh, etc. I came to you declaring uh, the cross of Christ. Um, yes, power. Uh, this power has to do with being under authority under divine authority. And I take you back to Matthew chapter 8, verse 9, where you have the account of the centurion that came to Jesus and asked him to heal his, his servant, and he asked him to heal him from a distance. He said, you don't have to come to my house. Just say the word, because I understand how, how this works. He said, I also am a man under authority. It, it's important that we understand that we don't have authority, but we are under the authority of God. And uh, this power has to be, has to do with being under authority, divine authority. Uh, yes, the power has to do with uh, the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit that is necessary to be an effective leader of the church, and necessary to be an effective preacher of the gospel. The, this power has to do with laying hold of the enabling power of God. And I, I take you to Second uh, Peter uh, chapter uh, 2, I believe it is. No, Second Peter chapter 4, would you turn with me to that? And verses 10 and 11, notice what Peter said. First Peter chapter 4, verse 10 and 11. As any man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to, one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. God. Let him speak as the oracles of God. Find that an interesting phrase. Don't know if I fully understand it. Let me explore it just a little bit with you. If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do it as of the ability which God giveth that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Well, uh, so notice several phrases in this passage that relate to what we're talking about in relation to spiritual leadership, especially as it relates to preaching and teaching the word. And he, there's the, the phrase, as any, man, as any man has received the gift. I believe this is talking about the same thing that Paul is talking about. He said, remember the gift of God to Timothy that has been given to you. 
I believe this is the gift and calling to leadership uh, it's, uh, that, that he's talking about. And then he's, he talks about uh, being good stewards of the manifold grace of God. You see, not only is, a, is spiritual leadership a call to call of grace, but um, the, the, the one call to leadership uh, is now a steward of God's grace to others. That's huge. <laughs> and, and, I, and, I, and I encourage you to explore, and especially you, you men that are called to leadership, you explore what that means, to be a steward, of passing on the grace, the enabling grace of God to others. Um, but then there, you also have this phrase, says this phrase, if any man speak, if any man minister, let him speak as the oracles of God. Uh, does this imply that in preaching one speaks the oracles of God? Or does this imply that he who speaks becomes the oracle of you think about it, and I, I'd be glad for you to, for, for you to respond to, to this phrase especially. What does it mean? I, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know that I haven't taken the time to fully uh, under, uh, attempt to understand this. But let him speak as the oracles of God. That's a, that's a great opportunity, and that's a great privilege, but also, also it's, it's, uh, it's serious to speak the oracles of God or to be used as an oracle of God to speak his message to others and to the world. Um, but notice the last phrase, let him do it as the, of the ability which God giveth. That has to do with the, uh, with the power of God. Um, so Paul says to Timothy, God has not given us, you the spirit of timidity, of fear, but has given you the spirit of power. Uh, and, uh, and the second thing, the second of the three things <clears throat> that I'm focusing on this morning is, uh, has to do with the, the spirit of, of power and of love. Uh, God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love. Um, So here Paul said um, that it has to do with being given the spirit of love, but he doesn't tell us toward whom this love is directed. Um, and so uh, I'm going to suggest, uh, that's a little bit weak, I, I'm going to insist <laughs> that that there are two things uh, in view here when he said, talks about God has given us the spirit of love. And I, I believe that the first thing that is important, that is ultra important for uh, one who is called to spiritual leadership and to the ministry of the gospel, that he loves God supremely. He loves God supremely. That is, that is important. Uh, that, that he loves God supremely. 
that is that is that in that is in order to be an effective spiritual leader. Uh, in order to be an effective shepherd of the flock, one needs to love God supremely. I, I just want you to underline that idea in your mind. Uh, I, in order to substantiate that, I take you to John chapter 1, where Peter and several other of the, of the apostles had gone back to uh, the area of Capernaum, and they decided to go back to fishing. Uh, Peter said, I'm, I'm going fishing. And I understand those who under, that, that the implication is Peter, at this point, he must have been very discouraged. He said, I'm going back to the business of fishing. Well, you know that Jesus appeared to him there, to them. And uh, they, uh, they were failures <laughs> that morning in, in their fishing attempt until Jesus came and said, well, just throw your net. <laughs> On the other side, <laughs> uh, powerful lesson, and they had a big catch of fish. They brought it to shore, and Jesus had already, uh, uh, had already prepared a breakfast for them there uh, with a fire, and he invited them in for breakfast. That's my way of saying it. And then, uh, then, then Peter, then then Jesus uh, uh, spoke to Peter. In fact, he, he looked at Peter, and he asked him a question. He asked the same question three times. Um, and the first time he said, Peter, do you love me? Then Peter said, Lord, <laughs> I, I, I truly, uh, I love you. Uh, if you would reach the, read the nuances there, you would discover that, that Peter is hedging there. And he said, I, I really like you a lot. <laughs> That's sort of a light way of saying it. But see, Jesus asked him if he has agape love, if he loves him supremely. And, and Peter uh, said, I, I have phileo love for you. And then Jesus said to him, feed my lambs. And a moment later, Jesus said, Peter, do you have agape love for me? And, and, and Peter, uh, he was getting a little bit uncomfortable at this point, and he said, you... Yes, I have I phileo love for you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. And then for the third time, and this time the nuance is that Jesus said to him, okay, Peter, do you really have phileo love for me? And Peter said, Lord, you know all things. You, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. I find it interesting, the nuance of, Jesus, of what, what Jesus asked him to do. The first, the first and the third time, he used the word feed to mean to give food. Feed my lambs, 
feed my sheep. The second time he, he, uh, he, he asked him that, uh, then he said, a shepherd, my, my sheep, shepherd my flock, which has more implications than just feeding. It means taking care of, nurturing. Folks, that, you know, every spiritual leader has, has those two, uh, is given uh, those two responsibilities, to feed, to, to, do, to, uh, uh, to, give, uh, to, to give the word in such a way that it, that it nurtures, that it feeds. It's actually food for the soul. And then also he's given the responsibility to nurture the flock, to shepherd the flock, which is a more general term. But to me, this just reinforces the, uh, the fact that in, in, in Jesus reinstating Paul, uh, Peter's apostleship, and that is what I understand was taking place here. He said, do you love me? <laughs> do you love me? Do you love me? Loving God, loving Jesus supremely, is one of the, is, is, is the, uh, is important to a spiritual leader. Uh, let me just uh, uh, give you a little story that I read. It has to do with what Jesus said when he said, uh, feed my lambs. Now, I, I don't know what all he meant by saying lambs. Were you talking about a new believers? Was he talking about children? Maybe both. But here, here's a little story just, that, that caught my attention as I was paging through this book a couple weeks ago. A landowner, while showing a friend over his farm, pointed out his crops and his stock. His companion was especially interested with the beautiful sheep he saw in the pasture. He had seen the same breed before, but never had he seen such attractive animals. Curious, he asked his friend how he had managed to raise such an outstanding flock. The answer was straightforward, it was simple, and it was profound. He said, my friend, I just take good care of the lambs. Oh, that spoke powerfully to me. You know, we, we often think we, we need to minister to the adults here. But I want to say I believe it's ultra-important that we also minister to the lambs, the young ones, the children, whether they be new believers or actually young children. If we want to have a strong flock, the lambs need to be taken care of. The lambs need to be fed. The lambs need to be nurtured. Just want to leave you with that idea. Love God supremely, but also I believe uh, including this has to do with loving others, loving um, others uh, what, what's the word I'm, I'm, I'm looking for a word here. Uh, let, me, let me find it. I have it in my notes. Uh, I'm not very following my notes very carefully here, but, but um, 
in order to be an effective spiritual leader, one needs to love people. The people he is called to shepherd, he needs to love them, and here's the word, unconditionally. Love God supremely and the people unconditionally. Um, someone has said, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Uh, and that's true of a spiritual leader. Un loving people unconditionally doesn't, doesn't mean that you don't hold them to accountability, that you don't exercise tough love when necessary. But I also remind us that in order to, pe to love people unconditionally, it takes not only phileo love, it also takes agape love. 1 Corinthians 13 kind of love. Uh, so, yes, so the, the call to, of Paul to Timothy, who I understand at this time was the overseer of the church in Ephesus. Paul said to him, Timothy, God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love. The third spiritual quality that Paul points out that God has given uh, to us, to those especially who are spiritual leaders, is God has given to us a sound mind. A sound mind. It's the third prerequisite that Paul gives that, are, that is an important requirement for an effective spiritual leader. Uh, Barclay says that the Greek word from which sound mind is translated is one of those great uh, untranslatable words. In other words, uh, sound mind is not easily defined here. It has been defined uh, as by someone as the sanity, the sanity of saintliness. I'm not sure what all that means. It sounds good anyways. Um, the sanity of saintliness. Think about that. Um, but the word sound, as used here, is only found in the pastoral epistles. It is used to admonish us to be sound in doctrine, sound in faith, as well as sound in speech and in the use of our words. A sound mind that is given to us by God is a mind that is healthy and wholesome. A mind that is not corrupted by evil thoughts and false ideas is a mind that is renewed, Romans chapter 12, verse 2. A mind that is disciplined and under the controlling influence of the Holy Spirit, where every thought is brought into the captivity to the obedience of Christ. And that's 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 5. Colossians chapter 2, verse 18 speaks of one who is vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind. Such a one is what Romans 8, 6 would refer to as being carnally minded instead of being spiritually minded. A sound mind is given to clear thinking. It is not a lazy mind. It is a mind that is given to contemplating the deep things of God. Second, 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 10. <coughs> well, well, what more can I say? Let me take you back to 2 Timothy Chapter 1, verse 7, where Paul said to Timothy, God has not given us 
the spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. I'd like to say two things in conclusion this, uh, this morning. Yes, I'm going to draw this to a conclusion. I'm going to dismiss you by 12 o'clock uh, so you won't be late for your food. Two things in conclusion. Uh, spiritual leadership, effective spiritual leadership, uh, has to do with courageous leadership. Um, that's why he says God has not given us the spirit of fear. Effective leadership is courageous leadership. Where one has to deal with his fears and where one has received from God power, love, and a sound mind. Courageous leadership. The second thing I'm going to say is that uh, effective spiritual leadership uh, comes out of uh, having an, an Isaiah 6 experience. And uh, I'm going to turn in closing to Isaiah chapter 6. I'm not going to say much about this. I'm just going to read the account. I allowed you to, to uh, catch the, the glimpse, the, the, uh, the gist of, uh, of the Isaiah Six experience. So I'm going to turn to Isaiah chapter six, and uh, and just read uh, this uh, verses one through eight uh, as you uh, listen or follow carefully. In the year that King Uzziah died, I also I saw also the Lord sitting upon his throne, high and lifted up, and his train the temple. I understand that the idea here is that his glory filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face. With twain he covered his feet. And with twain he did fly. And one cried one to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Not only the temple, the whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door moved at the voice of him that cried. The house was filled with smoke. Then said I, Woe is me, for I am undone because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. In other words, Isaiah being exposed to the glory, the holiness of God, was reminded of his own uncleanness. So he cried out and said, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for mine eyes have seen the Lord, the, the King, the Lord of hosts. Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hands, 
which he had taken with, the tongue, with tongues from off the altar, and he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this has touched thy lips, and thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin purged. Also, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for me? And then said I, Here am I. Sent me. This is what I mean by the Isaiah 6 experience. It's so important that every minister of the gospel, every spiritual leader has, first of all, an Isaiah 6 experience. Thank you for listening carefully and uh, patiently. And I, I ask the Lord's blessing upon you. And may, uh, may we uh, enter this uh, time of calling someone to spiritual leadership with great solemnity, but also with courage and uh, with, uh, uh, with the approval of God upon us as a church. Uh, are there any further announcements? Uh, the food is downstairs. Uh, we'll pray a blessing on the food. So let's stand together. Lord, I want to thank you for this gathering of your people. Thank you for each one, for not only the, the, the adults, but thank you also for the lambs that are here in our midst. Pray your blessing upon the lambs, especially this morning. And uh, thank you, Lord, for being with us and for uh, blessing us with this passage from 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 7. And I pray, Lord, that it would truly uh, rest upon our hearts as we con contemplate uh, the, our call, our calling someone to uh, share in spiritual leadership. I pray that your blessing would rest upon us in this event. We need your blessing. We need your presence to guide us in this matter. I want to thank you for each one. Lord, I pray that your blessing would rest upon each one, and we thank you especially for the food that has been prepared and we're going to enjoy and the fellowship that we'll have as we gather around the food in the basement. I pray your blessing upon the food and upon us as we share one with another and we thank you for it in Jesus' name.